Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 192. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, girls. Here we are back recording another episode. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start off with Chisme de la Semana. And today I have some Chisme. It's uh, the rumors continue to circulate about what audiences can expect from Deadpool 3. Um, so it starts the first official appearance of Wilson Wade of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also featuring Wolverine. However, there's a lot of speculation of this uh, taking place across the multiverse, and there's plenty of unexpected Marvel cameos. So I'm I'm excited to see what that entails. Uh, among them is uh, a buzz amongst the interwebs is Gambit, um, who first appeared on screen in the X Men Origins uh, colon Wolverine. Uh, but the thing is. The cameo appearance has, has been officially announced that it was filmed uh, by Channing, Channing Tatum. Not too many people are happy about that. I don't know if because they just don't like Channing Tatum. Oh, really? Wait, is this Magic Mike? Yes, it's Magic oh Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know. Like A lot of people are saying that this uh, should have been given to a different actor, maybe because of age or mm. i'm not sure why exactly uh Channing does look a little older i think he looks older than he really is in actuality i mean but he still moves really well i saw the latest magic mike movie and i was just like hmm he's still how many it. are there i've only seen i one. think there's three or four are you serious <laughs> yes and this last one was with selma hayek anyway i I was like, ooh, some wet dream material right there. But um, yeah, it was, his, he still got the moves. He just maybe a little bit older in, you know, but I don't know. Can he play Gambit? How, how, will, how will that translate in the theaters? I'm not sure, but people are not happy about it. They're like, ugh, what, what are people, what are they doing? A lot of people are unhappy. There's a lot of posts, a lot of memes. So all in all, that's my cheese but I feel excited about this. I mean, you know, um, movies, they tend to disappoint you sometimes, but sometimes they're just entertainment. So just, you know, just try to enjoy yourself out in the theater, guys, and buy that overpriced <laughs> popcorn because, you know, uh, that's how they make their money. And that has been my cheese All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. And Kristen, you have... On my radar. I do have an on my radar. Uh, so I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past, but DC has put all of their books, all of their uh, ongoing titles on hold for two months. And in their stead, they are publishing this event called Night Terrors. Now, it, DC, you know, anything DC does it has to revolve around Batman. So, of course, Night Terrors is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. Um, but it is um, a book, or I'm sorry, an event where um, it is completely revolving around the horror theme. And so you guys know that I am a whore for horror <laughs> and uh and so it really caught my eye and so this week which is july uh 5th was the wednesday or was it the third the fifth the fourth, the fourth? was tuesday what was wednesday yesterday <laughs> so the fifth. <laughs> so fifth was yesterday and it was released the Fourth on Tuesday. Um, but anyway, it's a new comic this week um, called Night Terrors First Blood. And that is a one shot that if you kind of want to get the premise for everything that is going on in uh, these uh, two shots, I'm going to call them uh, two issue issue miniseries going on, um, you start with Night Terrors First Blood. And so it's the opening issue. And basically, it is um, 
kicking off with Dead Man. Now, we haven't seen Dead Man in a really long time. I really enjoy reading Dead Man stories. I think it was the last mm-hmm. one was that love story, um, gothic mm-hmm. horror love story. Uh, gosh, came out like in 2017 or something about. like that. I like that, that one. Um, yeah. And uh, so Dead Man can feel a in disturbance in <sighs> the force. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, uh-oh, something's going on. And so he is following Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. And he is um, trying to figure out what's going on. I can feel something weird is going on. Well, it turns out that the Trinity is being haunted. And uh, they are um, themselves trying to figure out what's going on because they also have been alerted to a, an alarm going off at none other than the Hall of Justice. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And apparently... Um, there is a bad guy, there is a villain who, um, somehow creates this environment where all of these characters fall asleep and are trapped in their own worst nightmares. So, um, for the first round of books that came out this week, um, it is Joker. Batman, Poison Ivy, Ravager, and Black Adam. Those are the first five that came out this week. Uh, and I only read the the first Blood, the one shot that like kind of sets the stage for everything that's happening. But um, I did look at the covers. And of course, the premise is these characters are locked into their own worst nightmares. And the one of the variant covers for the Joker book is Joker sitting at a desk at what? a day job. So I thought that was like really funny. funny. Uh, and there's something that happens in Joker's book that is an even bigger nightmare to him. And when I saw what it was and how it happened, it's super hilarious. And I really am giving kudos to the creative team on this book because I was like, oh my God, this is like the best. Um, that this is his nightmare. This is completely what his nightmare is. And he doesn't know what to do with his life now that this thing has happened. So if you are interested at all in horror and also your main DC characters that you follow uh, dealing with this horrific uh, example of uh, being in, locked in their own worst nightmare, um, pick, check out the and pick up the Night Terrors miniseries of all these title issues. Um, the ones that are still coming are Superman, Nightwing, Hell Jordan, and Flash, um, who will also be in their own nightmarish delusions. Um, so um, that's what's on my radar. I really have am enjoying what I read so far, and I'm looking forward to reading more. Because um, again, as I said, you guys know that I enjoy horror, and I think this is a fun, um, cool uh, event happening. I didn't have to wait till October for horror events. So I'm all for that. Well, that sounds amazing. I can only imagine what his worst nightmare is, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I will talk to you about it after the show. I want it to be a surprise. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm invested. Right? It sounds really cool. I also have an on my radar, and mine is Eva Langoria Searching for Mexico. This is a first season on. Uh, it used to be HBO Max, but it's now just Max. And it has six episodes. And basically, it's her discovering all the culinary richness of Mexico. So she travels to different cities. And um, she's in this season, she goes to Mexico, Mexico City, Yucatan, Oaxaca, Nuevo León, Jalisco, and Veracruz. So although I'm a little salty that she went and highlighted Oaxaca's mole instead of Puebla, yeah, <laughs> I still enjoyed the heck out of this series. I mean, the amount of history behind cooking in Mexico and in the mm-hmm. ingredients they use is so just it's so inspiring and just so amazing. And a lot of the dishes that they cook um, that are like really signature dishes in some of these cities take like eight hours, 16 hours below ground. I mean, the preparation alone is like a whole freaking day and then you have to wait hours. And it's just really amazing. Of course, they cut to a 
part where it's already been cooked for the show. But I was like, well, this is really amazing. And then there's one city um, in particular. um, I think it was El Yucatan. You know what? I really honestly don't know. But there's this one city where there's like a like a um, kind of like I would call it a coven, but (laughs) maybe not. Um, It's where a lot of trans uh, gender transvestite and they have like a specific name for this type of, of of group of people. And they kind of just highlight a lot of the dishes from that city. And they dress in these really beautiful ornate dresses and their hairs with the ribbons and flowers and everything. And they look just freaking fabulous. Um, and there's other beautiful richness of culture in other cities. It's just, it's really mind-blowing. And, um, you know, I... The cool thing I thought is Eva is talking to people in Spanish and English, but she introduces herself as Texicana. So there's like, there's no error in saying, oh, yeah, like I'm Mexican. Because sometimes, you know, like I'll go to Mexico and I'll see I'm Mexican, you know, Mm -hmm. Mexicana. But that's not necessarily true in a sense, you know. Uh, but she, her Spanish is amazing, actually. I was really impressed. Um, but she highlights these amazing dishes. And I just like, I wish I loved to cook. Because <laughs> some of these I would totally love to replicate. Uh, not the ones that you bury for 16 hours, because obviously I would not have the patience for that. <laughs> but it's a really eye opening in just the just it kind of a religious kind of um, ceremonial aspect of food in Mexico. It's just mind blowing. So I really highlight. I really recommend you guys watch that. I know this is uh, this podcast is about uh, Latinx and female uh, representation in the comic book industry. But also, I'd like to also kind of shine a light on shows and movies that you can watch and kind of support our culture and our people. So that's on my radar. Oh my God, guys, it's la hora de la cervecita. <laughs> what are we drinking today? Uh, uh, what is this? <laughs> Stella Vacas. What does that mean? Like bald cows? <laughs> it's not, no, it's the uh, Bella Vacas is like the, uh, the uh, I guess the uh, cow shearer. Oh, shearer. Okay. Shearer. Got it. They shear okay. the cow. So this is a beer uh, brewed. Is it Los Barbones Cerveceria, um, brewed in Los Angeles, Cerveza Fina. Um, Okay, so what does it say? Perseguido por la ley, Pelavacas le decían. Oh, that could be another music reference. El Pelavacas is sort of like the, the, el apodo that they gave this man who was a fugitive of the law. Oh, there was part of the quote on the other side too. Sería por su mala fama que todos los conocían. Perseguido por la ley, pelavacas le decían. So that was the other half that I didn't read. Okay, so this says, support local Latino brew craft beer. Salud! This is brewed and canned for Las Barbones Brewing Company um, by Pacific Plate Brewing in Monrovia. Uh, you can find out more about Los Barbones at www.losbarbones.com. You can at them at los underscore barbones. 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 underscore cerveceria um and hashtag cafe the oya milk stout oh my god that is what we are drinking cafe the oya milk stout you know we all love us some cafe the oya all the milk all the sugar uh handcrafted hecho a mano what does it say oh yeah yeah no hay cervezas fuertes, solo hombres débiles. <laughs> okay, I, so I, like I wasn't I like excited it. to try the stout until now. I know that it's a cafe de, de uh, Oya stout, so now I'm excited. And it is a 6.8 ABV. That's pretty hefty. Absolutely. Well, opening it up, I smelled a hint of <sighs> milk. A lot of chocolate. Mm-hmm. I smell the cinnamon right away. And you know what? I didn't quite capture the cinnamon upon smell, but upon first taste, mm. I was I was hit with the cinnamon. Yeah. 
I do smell the milk a little bit, but the cinnamon and the chocolate is super uh, forward for, for me smelling it. Look at Oh, Ooh, my gosh. You can't even see through it. It's like uh, Jen oil. poured a glass of oil after it's been in a car for five years. <laughs> I like that. No, I mean, this, oh, I, you know what? I didn't think I was going to be so excited about it. I didn't read the fine print. I just read Milk Stout and I was there. I was like, I'm going to take a stout to the ladies. But I totally do get the sensation of Café de Olla, for sure. I'm trying to find it. (laughs) I do kind of taste coffee flavor, but like what's new when it comes to stouts? Mm -hmm. But yeah, aside from being so flavorful, I feel that it's still light on my stomach. So that's that's a good sign for a stout. Usually they're super heavy. I'm not sure how I'm going to react to uh, the lactose later on. Is there lactose in it? I'm assuming so because I first uh, I uh, off ta- offhand when I opened it, I smelled it and I I, I smelled milk, but um, really heavy on the chocolate. I feel and it's not too sweet and there's definitely a lot of cinnamon. So, to be honest, I'm disappointed. <laughs> so I took like. As soon as I read Café de Oya, I I already, my mind, I was standing in line at uh, La Monarca, at that little uh, panaderia that we go to, or that we used to go to down in East LA when we would have um, our table at East LA Comic Con before it changed to whatever it changed to. East LA Cape. There you go. And we go across the street to the original La Monarca. And get our little cafe de olla with our pan dulce. And it was so good. That's what I was already picturing it, it was going to taste like. I could smell the cinnamon. I could smell the chocolate. But it didn't taste at all like what I thought it was going to. It tastes like a lot of other stouts that I've had before. Um, that are just chocolate and coffee mixed together. I guess. I don't know what I thought I was going to. I smell the the cinnamon more than I can taste it and that's missing for me so I'm sad it's not bad it's just not what I thought so that's me (laughs) what about you Jen um so hmm when I poured it and I smelled it and then I drank it uh it could be because it's cold and it's really hot right now but my nipples got hard (laughs) drinking it I almost spit I was drinking when she said that. I almost spit out my beer. (laughs) So I think that's me. I I, I am enjoying it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I like it. Damn. Can you say any more? That was just like right on the money. It was just like, wow. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I like it. You get two very, three very different reviews from us right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. That has to be like our new Super Saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, but honestly, um, I can, it, it does, it tastes like Café de Oyo to me. Um, I can, everything that Tara had said about like tasting the cinnamon, chocolate, um, uh, and just kind of getting a very heavy coffee flavor. Um, uh, while still kind of remaining um, uh, like slightly sweet, yeah, no, I I am enjoying it. I think it's really really good. Yeah, the the sweetness definitely is there. Yeah, I just don't know why I can't taste the cinnamon. The I taste the chocolate, obviously COVID. the coffee because all stouts taste like coffee to me. But yeah, I just don't taste it. You know who's Café de Oya or what is it? Is it Café de Oya or am I thinking Orchata? It was Orchata that we I don't know. Were like really um, Brewery X. Brewery X? Border X. Border X. Border X Brewery did have a stout that I tried though that I really liked. I mean, I don't remember what. Um, I know that we reviewed the Orchata one in an episode. Yeah, no, this isn't one that we reviewed. It was one I drank when I went there um, that I liked. But um yes all those things that you said minus the cinnamon i can taste um it is very light 
interestingly for a stout to me, um, it's a little watery, to be honest. Like I, I picture stouts and porters really being thick with a mouthfeel. And this isn't at all. It's, it's very light and like watery in my mouth. Not flavorful watery, but, you know, just very light. No, I get what you're saying. Definitely. I definitely didn't. I initially, like I said, when I opened it, I smelled like the chocolate and the lack, the the milk. And then when drinking it, I got a big, powerful uh, taste of cinnamon and the bitter chocolate and obviously the coffee. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm really surprised. I, I didn't think I was. But then you said cafe de olla and I was like, oh, shit, it's going to have some cinnamon, some sugar. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, shit, it's going to be like really heavy. Maybe I need to drink it hot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm really enjoying this, actually. Um, I'm surprised that I am enjoying it so much because it's hot outside and stout was not the way to go. It's like Anchorman says milk was a bad choice. <laughs> um, but I don't know why I decided to choose this one. I mean, obviously, I chose it to do the to do it um, today, um, but I'm enjoying it. So, are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. So, yeah. our rating scale is a five point scale with one being very unsatisfied, a two unsatisfied, a three is neutral, a four is satisfied, and a five is very satisfied. Uh, if we are off the charts. Six out of five is Super Saiyan, or as Jen will uh, now forever be known, <laughs> it is, it makes my nipples hard. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad I could add, add to this. Truly, I am. <laughs> so I'll start. This is Kristen. I'm going to just say I am neutral. I'm not satisfied or unsatisfied. I would drink the whole can. Um, there are definitely some good um, aspects to it. Uh, I generally don't pick stouts as go-tos, but I would definitely uh, enjoy this drinking the whole thing. Um, but it just didn't hit, it, it didn't uh, say Cafe de Oya to me. So um, I was a little bit disappointed with that, but the notes that I did uh, smell and taste were satisfying. So I am neutral. Well, this is Sarah. And um, I, like I said, I it's it's warm outside. So this was a, a bad choice just because it feels like it's more of a winter beverage. But it was very delicious to me. I really like the notes upon opening the can. I really enjoyed the bitterness of the chocolate and coffee. And I'm really kind of loving this. I'm going to give it a very satisfied I'd definitely pick up another four pack. I'd share it during Christmas or even Thanksgiving. I think it's a very kind of wintry beverage, but I really enjoyed it. What about you, Jen? Well, I mean, I did just say. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, uh, and if that's a new level of Super Saiyan, I think that's what I'm going to go. But it's also a stout, so I'm also like biased. So this could be actually like either a four or five. I'm just like so stoked about drinking it that it has elevated it to another level. You know what? I'm gonna go with like super nice. Oh, I like yeah. that. I like yeah. it. Nice. All right, guys. Now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reading Codex Black by Camilo Moncada L. Uh, A Fire Among Clouds. Uh, so on the back, I'm gonna read the synopsis that we were given. Navigate monsters, mysteries, and myth with two extraordinary adventures in 15th century Mesoamerica. When stubborn Donahi of Guillelag turns 15, she vows to leave home on an epic quest. Accompanied by the god Chikawalitzeotil, who inhabits her poncho, she sets out to discover the truth about her father, who hasn't been seen since he vanished from the villages years before. Along the way, she runs into Tika Salotil, a, Mexi- a Mexica warrior with wings. As their temporary fr- partnership blooms into incredible friendship, Donahi and Itzacaca... I said Itzcasalotil first, huh? It could be Itzcasalotil or Itzcacalotil. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> Find themselves beset by beasts thieves, and even capricious gods. Could there be more to their journey in the mystery of Donahi's father, 
than meets the eye? I think there is, guys. <laughs> I do too. Oh my God. First of all, let me just tell you that I was very upset reading this book. I was very mad and I and I just wanted to throw it Absentee across the room. Father? In a good you know way why? Or a bad way? Because I loved it so freaking hey. much. And on I turned the page and it said to be continued. I was oh my God. Yes. I was so into this mystery. Of her father and where she, where, what happened to him. Uh, I'm into this whole uh, caca boy. Uh, who is he? <laughs> and where did he come from? And why is he by himself? And what happened to his parents? And um, what's her name? Uh, Donaji's um, uh, past with her father. And just where uh, where is all this anger and everything coming from? And they say that she's just like him. And oh my God, I was so into this story. And I was so ready to go on this journey when they were like, okay, let's, let's, let's go find them. And then you turn the page. Because I even as I was reading, I'm like, oh, they're really going to wrap this up really like short. There's only a couple of pages just left no bitches it was back matter i was so mad <laughs> because i was so into the story and i was like oh my god how long do we have to wait because we just and i i haven't searched yet but it started as a webcomic so i'm like is the story online that i can read now and like finish it and see what happened and like I'm gonna uh, spoiler alert. So turn your your uh, your volume down if you don't want to know. But I think that Donahi and the Kaka boy are brother sister. Don't oh. do that to me. No, <laughs> I want the I I want the relationship to blossom. Well, they will as siblings. No, I'm not. I'm not here for that. No. Okay, then okay, we're okay, multiple. Look! 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 look. I'm not saying that the purple woo is full of incest, but it's a little bit incest. <laughs> no, this isn't to condone it, of course. What we say for fiction does not apply to IRL. But, I mean, fiction, narratively-wise, you could do this, like, whole fuckery thing. There were multiple uh, clues in the story that I may have been reading too much into, but that led me to believe that they're brother-sister. Um, because um, I feel bad calling him caca boy. It's it's not disrespect. Uh, and no, I'm not meaning it at disrespect, but that's what I called him in my head when I was reading the book because I couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> but Even then I'm unsure. But then uh, um, uh, it does so, have it in the back. There's a pronunciation okay. list of names in the back, and um, for his name, it says yes, it's Kakalotil. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyhow, I was close. Um, he when he is asking questions about uh, Donahi's father, um, he learns that originally he is uh, the father is from his own region, and in and some of uh, Donahi's village uh, members say to him, hit uh the dad's name, which I don't remember what the dad's name was, um, had uh, his dialect and his pronunciation was very bad and said, it was just like yours. Like there's a lot of times in the, in the book where they compare uh, her father to each caca lotil. And um, oh, there was something else too. And the fact the fact that um, they made such a big deal of, oh, it's your boyfriend. And, and she's like, no, it's not. And there is no romantic uh, advances or anything at all in the book. Okay. Just them holding hands. And I think that was done. And she's 15. So I think that was done purposely. Yeah, I believe he's 17 in the book. But you're okay. So now that you are presenting that, I can see. Well, you're abs you can be absolutely right about that. Um, 
And of course, we see it in Star Wars with Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Uh, yes, yes. So I get where you're coming from. And yes, now that you made your points, I do see that. I do. <laughs> I do. And I wanted to read the story of this brother and sister going on this adventure, on this mission to find her father. He doesn't know it's his father yet, but he'll find out eventually. Uh, oh my gosh, it was just so good. And also, you are getting the history of the this culture that in the what do they call the Mexica uh, warrior Mexica uh, um, warrior uh, lore and mythology and all that stuff, but also like what was actually going on back then in like what the fourteen hundreds and. Uh, the time frame um, where a lot of these uh, a lot of these um, the communities and groups yeah. really prayed to the gods and believed in all of uh, this stuff. So 1493 CE um, and there is some um, what do you call it like mystical realism stuff going on. There are gods who are talking to the humans and there are um there are crow uh, people. Uh, there's, uh, you know, otherworldly, godly stuff going on. I I can't even, like, form all my thoughts coherently because there was so much amazing content in this book. And darn it, I'm so angry. I want to read the other half. Just like the, okay, so just like this weekend, I finally went to go see Across the Universe. Uh, universe across the spider-verse i had no idea that it was a two-parter and i was so mad at the end like <laughs> i was ready to sit there for another two hours and watch the rest of the movie so that's exactly how i felt with this i was so into this book like just the adventure in and of itself the mystery uh the history the mythology i just had everything and um i to be honest just like sarah always said i didn't think i was gonna like this book only because i read the first like little uh intro when i was half asleep and i'm like i don't know what's going on here oh my god this is so <laughs> confusing uh and then i read it again in the morning when i was fully awake and i understood what was going on um, but i'm so glad that i did and i just loved it so much so sorry i'm taking all the time <laughs> Sarah, no, what no. Did you i mean <laughs> I, I love your energy because that's actually how i felt exactly how you felt i started reading the the beginning the prologue and i was like i want to love this but i'm a little bit confused and mm -hmm. i don't know where it's going i love the art though i was like yeah. okay the art is on point but i i'm i i don't know what's going on confused. and i'm afraid yeah i'm afraid <sighs> it's gonna go Days over my head confused. because of the of the terminology and stuff like that but i do appreciate that they have like these little like you know how like when you used to collect the cards of the superheroes in marvel mm -hmm. superheroes and stuff like mm -hmm. that and in the back it had like their power level and their abilities and their age and where they came from i really appreciate that the author went and did that for each of the characters didn't do it at the beginning that's what confused mm -hmm. me it mm -hmm. did it as the as the course of the story developed and so i'm like oh okay and then not only that but they have these little like asterisks into words that we might not know what they mean because they use it in regular conversation in, yeah, in the yeah. dialogue bubbles but then there's a little kind of in a little snippet at the bottom and then you read it you're like oh okay uh that's um the god of deers you know or something like that or mm -hmm, the god of mm -hmm. wind or you know like stuff like that and and they and they kind of tell you kind of a little bit of the personality of the gods that are that they're kind of uh coming across or are part of the story <clears throat> which i totally loved and it seems like it's all ages is really complex though yes yes and i i, I like that it's the it's com complex and it doesn't spoon feed this information to you it gives you information and then it just lets you as a reader just absorb it and i like that i like where they're not talking down to you obviously this is over my head but i felt confident enough with the writing that i followed the story and i totally loved it and it feels like it's all ages but it's definitely really so well written and so complex and so story uh world building that i'm just like is it all ages 
<laughs> I, I I definitely think that it's more of like a middle grade book, like uh, which is like eight to twelve. Um, just uh, because of some of the things that you're saying is just like there are maybe some. I'm I think all there's nothing in here that all ages could not appreciate and enjoy but i do definitely think that it's more geared towards middle grade um but the artist the artist well the artist and creator writer camilo moncada l um actually started writing this story uh i think as a project when he was in high school wow it was for an assignment in his last year of high school where he created Donahi. And then um, he created um, the uh, Itzcaca Lotil, um, I think later on in college. And it wasn't until, and so he created Donahi in 2011. And then it wasn't until 2014 where he started playing with the idea of mixing the two characters together in a series. And um, I don't know how um, IDW came about, but um, I'm guessing that he just really garnered a following on his webcomic and they maybe he did a uh, crowdfunding and got some notice or something but um idw is a pretty big uh hitter when it comes to indie comics in the industry so i think that's really uh cool and says a lot about just the the uh level of artistry um both in storytelling and in the art uh, of this book absolutely and one of the things that made me think this might not be for a young audience it's only because one of my favorite gods the night act the night acts and i'm calling it in english because i cannot pronounce it in, in the native language <laughs> i'm gonna give it a try okay it's you what sleep Okay, that was really, really bad. <laughs> you Huatliputzli, which is the night axe. So this character has no head. His mouth is in his chest and his teeth are his ribs. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I've never seen that, that uh, god before. They have several gods, so I'm not surprised. I mean, they have so many gods to pick from. Yeah, or they might... Um, uh... You know, maybe they created something themselves. It's, it says that people know he's close when they hear the sound of an axe chopping trees in the middle of the night, which they did in the story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, this is... I like that. It, I, I like this, like, nuance and attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. and not only that, they, the, the okay, so the art looks uh, very heavily anime-inspired, but there are parts where they're narrating a story that was like a, maybe kind of like a flashback where the art changed mm -hmm. to a more like um, like the hieroglyphs you see or you've seen um, in like codex and stuff like that. And so I really appreciate that because that way you knew that you were going back in time telling a story that had happened already. Um, the colors are spectacular. And I just I'm. Dude, it, I want to cosplay these characters. It it's so freaking <laughs> oh, that so be cool. amazing. That would be very cool. And I am, uh, I mean, uh, bats are one of my favorite animals, and so when I saw yes. the bat a uh, supernatural being in here, I was like, "Oh my god, it's so cool." His name is Hui Si Wait, let's see. Si Zinakantil. <laughs> nope. Uh, that's very wrong, I'm sure. But anyway, um, its huge claws can easily decapitate a person in a single sweep. Um, bats in general are associated with earth and the night, as well as decapitation and menstruation. <gasps> menstruation, no you had, had no idea. Had that. <laughs> the offerings and, and so decapitation and menstruation, the offerings of blood to the earth. I'm down. That's so freaking yes, metal right definitely. there. <laughs> Wait, which one was this one? Uh, the, the Great Bat. Oh. And it says his this monster's oh, loincloth and the three skulls necklace suggest that it has a certain degree of intelligence and crafting skill. However, a monster that size is something unheard of, so there may be something else at work in the shadows that caused such a fearsome beast to suddenly appear. 
So oh, it was just so cool. And this kind of stuff that I just didn't grow up learning. Like, of course, we all learn about Greek mythology, maybe Roman mythology, but like this kind of stuff mm. and the supernatural of the, the, um, uh, what would you call it? The yeah. Mexica, um, people is just so freaking interesting to me. And like, I want to know at what point my ancestors <laughs> failed me that I don't know these stories. <laughs> right. It's so complex. Every, every one of these, uh, they didn't fail you. It's colonialism. <laughs> um, yes. I just really appreciated all of this. Um, I mean, just kind of like the emotion of her trying to find her father where everybody mm -hmm, thinks mm -hmm, that he's mm -hmm. already dead because he's yeah. been gone for 11 years. And at the beginning, like you said, you wanted to throw the book mm -hmm. across the room. I wanted to throw the book across the room because I'm like, another father <laughs> just left their family. But it wasn't that at all. So it wasn't that at all. I mean, we're we're starting to learn that there's something there. <laughs> deadbeat dad um but i also you guys know that i get really confused especially with like um dialogue bubbles and i appreciate what somebody takes the time to yes, change it yes, for specific uh -huh. characters and they did mm -hmm. so for all the gods which i thought was great because that way i would know like i would read it in a more like kind yeah. of an echoey kind of voice so um one of the gods is actually stuck in a poncho uh it's okay i'm saying it wrong i know i'm sorry but it's the god of fortitude and so uh, the person who wears it and they're, they're actually bound to doha uh, donahi and that's what gives her some of her strength but not her courage she is courageous all on her own um so her wearing this and battling, and there's several stories about that. There was a history of her when five years ago, when she was, I believe, 10, where she went out and fought another god um, of ice and cold. And um, there's a backstory to that. I do not want to give it away. But um, basically, this god in the poncho helped her out during that battle. And um, there's another god that... Uh, that binds themselves to Itzlakakatlo, um, mm -hmm. which is a raven. Crow. Or yeah. a crow, I'm sorry. A crow. that, And then that entails him to actually grow the wings that he could retract at any time. But there's a thief that is that has another type of god that's bound to her through a skull that she can wear like on her outfit. So, I mean, there's all this... And, and it tells you, and the thing is, in this story, it tells you why they're bound to an object and how they survive mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how it should be, uh, they should yeah. have sacrifices or uh, ofrendas given to them or else they will, they will suck the mm -hmm. life force from their host. So, I mean, it is such a complex story and the colors and the art and everything is just so great. I just... I'm just in awe of this book. At first, like I said, I was like, where is this going? What am I reading? Am I even going to understand it? What's going on? But as the little crumbs started to just fall into place, especially the little translations, I was like, thank God for those. Because or else I'm like, I'm, I mean, obviously, I can't pronounce these words, but I'm so happy that I've learned them now. And I just want to know more. And now I need to know what happens in the second book. I know. I'm very upset about that. I just think it's amazing uh, that this kind of story exists now in just our comic book reality. The fact that little brown boys and girls can pick up a story and read an adventure that happens in 15th century Mesoamerica uh, and tells about where their ancestors came from and what they were going through and what they believed in, I just think is so amazing. And it is just representation at its highest. And I cannot wait to pass this book along to people tell them how amazing it is and mm. also just read the next part of the story and just one more thing i'd like to add as a person that has parents born and raised in puebla mexico i absolutely love that they actually in the celebration 
um, they were talking about the turkey mole, which is the uh, original mole uh-huh. was made with turkey. Uh-huh. So I was like, yes, yes, you got me in my heart, <laughs> in my feels. I love this. <laughs> yeah. That, see, I'm all about the mole, guys. Oh, as a matter of fact, I have some mole in my freezer right now that Ooh. I may make. Oh, the chilaquiles. my God. Yes. Please. Oh, that's so the best. <laughs> I have some mole in my freezer, too, for probably over a year waiting to make chilaquiles, and I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So this is Jen, and I was not able to finish the entire story, um, um, but I did enjoy what I was able to read. And I think Kristen uh, and Sarah both nailed in the head the aspects that I really liked about it. Uh, the only, like, my two cents would be, I mean, this is very obviously, like, uh, Tenochtitlan, Texacoco, and stuff like that. Very, very heavily Aztec. But as I was reading it, and um, um, once, like, uh, the the boy with wings and uh when I, uh came out the similarities to me started emerging between the story their story and the story of the hero twins if they were like like uh the well the maya hero See? twins specifically they're related <laughs> uh yeah because that, that's kind of what, like that's what i was thinking like well like what if the hero twins were like separated at birth or something um uh, uh-huh. so that could, but then again, this is Aztec instead of Maya, so they might be going a completely different route. But for me, I mean, most because because simply because it's one of the most well documented myths of that time, the Hero Twins is uh, seems to me to be reflected in this. But not, I'm not trying to like influence people's thoughts and be like, yeah, like no, this is what it is because it's just like to me. I think I see where the story is going because, uh, I mean, the story of the Hero Twins is that their um, uh, their father died, and so they journey to the underworld, uh, and they face the trials, uh, and they win, and they succeed, and they're able to uh, resuscitate their father, who is then made the god of maize. So... I'm like this is I like the missing father and everything he like went like he like disappeared I don't know maybe he's trapped in the underworld or something or he died uh and now he's in the underworld and now they're like to me narratively this seems to be where it's going see I didn't even know I've never heard about this other story I'm so naive to all of these things so Mm. (laughs) I didn't even know but now that I do um it sounds very similar uh and I um am really now even more interested to read (laughs) because uh these kinds of things I've always been super interested in mythology Mm -hmm. no matter where it came from and this kind of stuff is so like interesting and um like entertaining to read and so i'm now i'm gonna go look up these people too i highly highly recommend it uh simply because i like the stories of the popol vuh and anything that like you like that has to do with um uh, the mythology of our ancestors as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh highly recommend looking into it try to see if you can there have been a few uh, modern adaptations of the hero twins as well uh hmm. so i i do recommend reading it because it's it's a good story and i think it's a story that resonates still to this day with uh a lot of latinos as well simply because of the role of the duty of child to parent and all that stuff and like right yeah there's still like it's so funny how there's still so much cultural um um, significance between something from centuries ago and now yeah Oh, that's so interesting. I, I'm telling you guys, comics are educational and so yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. So I hope those of you listening out there are going to pick up this book, Codex Black. Um, A Fire Among Clouds is the name of this particular uh, volume, and it's written by Camilo Moncada L. Yeah, and actually, I think there was another book a comic we actually reviewed with where it was kind of like based on the hero twins as well um i don't know if you guys remember it was a a female and a male and uh they were reluctant to take on the mantle or at least one of them was and they had the obsidian that one was more adult though i think this yes this one is definitely like ya yes Mm -hmm. yeah i will agree i think it is it is 100 percent ya 
or at least middle grade fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that one god with the chest, uh, with his teeth or his ribs, was, uh, that's a little creepy. And then she just reached in and grabbed the heart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In my head, I was calling him Yawawa. Because <laughs> yeah. it it's, a, it's a long and complicated name. And I think that yeah. is also partially the reason it, um, um, Aztec and Maya mythology hasn't really hit off in the states yeah 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 but it's so delicious with a lot of like it oh, is a yeah, lot of pettiness it's, it's uh love it mm-hmm. <laughs> oh anyway so i mean we could go on but are we ready to actually rate it yeah yes excellent well i'm gonna go first this is sarah and i love the energy that christian brought hitting all the markers that i felt in this book and then and then even opening my eyes to another kind of maybe subtext of the story so i'm going to give it the whole panaderia and a cup of tequila a cup <laughs> not a shot a, 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 a cup, not a, a shot. shot. A cup. <laughs> yes uh, and or, or maybe oh no you know what mezcal mejor God, <laughs> smoky stuff ah, and just a reminder our rating scale for comics that we review are one to three conchas. Uh, three conchas being the most that Jen's mom ever let her eat in one sitting. So that was the best. Um, but we add our little own little spice on top if it is a book that we absolutely love. And uh, this is Kristen, and I have to agree with Sarah. I am not giving it three conchas. I'm giving it the whole panaderia. And I am going to add a whole entire serving of turkey mole on the side. <gasps> Ooh, I love Stop. that. Stop, you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you guys mention mole, like I can like taste it in my mouth. Yes. Um, uh, mm. But this is Jen and uh, I'm sad that I wasn't able to finish it, but what I did read, Tres Conchas, for sure. Tres Conchas, a cup of chapurado. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed um Reading it because some of some of the names were easy, and then others I was just like, "Holy shit, I haven't seen this! I'm gonna give it my best shot." <laughs> um, um, like I didn't even I didn't even see that there was a pronunciation guide at the end. I was just like, "Oh, yeah. you know what? That makes sense." Yeah, poor little caca boy. I should have yeah. read that first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yes, that is my rating. Um, uh, tres conchas and a cup of chapurrado. Guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. What do you have for us today, Jen? So today I have Girl Island, the Sandy Stone story. A film about Sandy Stone, trans studies founder, Jimi Hendrix's audio engineer, goddess of cyberspace, America's most modest rebel. Wow. Yeah. I I never heard of this woman before. It sounds amazing. Yep. So I am going to read the synopsis that we have right here. Um, And it starts off with a picture of Sandy Stone recording with Olivia Records in the 1970s. Logline. How does a nice, quiet Jewish boy born in New Jersey in 1936 become an audio engineer for Jimi Hendrix? a lesbian separatist, founder of the Trans Studies, and the goddess of cyberspace? Told through the point of view of her groundbreaking essay, The Empire Strikes Back, a post-transsexual manifesto, Girl Island tells the roller coaster life story of Sandy Stone, America's most modest rebel. The verdant hills of Casablanca look down on homes and shops jammed chock-a-block against narrow, twisted streets filled with the odors of spices and dung. And so begins the first sentence of Sandy Stone's internationally renowned 1987 manifesto, describing Morocco, which was one of the few places in the world to get a sex change in the early 1970s. Our film, Girl Island, also begins in the 70s, but in a San Francisco hospital, where Sandy languished for months with 27 broken bones after a car accident. Sporting a bushy beard, While taking female hormones, she shocked the staff who wouldn't give her pain meds until famous musicians David Crosby and Graham Nash arrived yelling, Do you know who this is? This is one of our best sound engineers. Girl Island is a feature-length documentary film about uh, Aliquare Rosane Sandy Stone, one of the world's visionaries who pioneered digital art and theory in trans studies. Sandy's incredible journey intersects with America's most iconic moments in rock music, technology, Feminism, trans history, philosophy, and art. 
straddling history as it moved from the avant-garde era to the digital age. The title Girl Island derives from the imaginary world to which Sandy would safely retreat in her head as a child. Not your usual Talking Heads documentary, Girl Island unites these threads through exciting storytelling from the inside out by mixing dreamy, fantastical animation with archival material, uh, recent verite, and live interviews with people who knew her best. Our team is director Majori Vecchio, I hope I said that right, executive producer Zachary Drucker, consulting producer Mark Smolowitz, Producer Susan Stryker, Director of Photography Shuling Yong, Animation Director Bishka Som, Co-Producer Emily Lutzker, Consulting Producer Lisa Thomas, and a formidable advisory committee that includes a game designer, film scholar, nonprofit attorney, book agent, documentary filmmaker, animation producer, digital media artist, National Art Foundation board member, and two of Sandy's former students. Interviewees include illustrious leaders such as scientist philosopher Donna Haraway, gender outlaw writer and actor Kate Bornstein, Olivia Records founding member Ginny Z. Burson, and a platinum award-winning record producer and audio engineer Stefan Barncard, amongst many others. Along with the film, the team is re-releasing Sandy's The Empire Strikes Back, a post-transsexual manifesto as a reimagined graphic novel and audiobook with new writing by Sandy and other luminaries. Um, and then it continues on for a lot. Like, there is a lot of info here. <laughs> like, a lot. But it's... Well, that sounds amazing just up to there. So fascinating. It is... It always is incredible to, to me how much of how many like queer folks were in the backgrounds of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in like in music, in, in movements like for like the civil rights act and stuff like that in art, in history, in, in politics. Like it's, we've always been there. And the mm -hmm. fact that I didn't know who this person was, Sandy Stone, I felt like I was just like, how do I not know who, right. who she was? Especially with with a title like Goddess of Cyberspace, like hell yeah. <laughs> so um right now it has a current goal of forty thousand dollars and it's currently at sixteen thousand nine hundred and sixteen with a hundred and fifty backers and thirty days to go. You can always back without expecting a reward. You just want to support. But the base pledge starts at $10, which is you will receive thank you credits, monthly email updates, and insider photos and info about the process of the book. At $25, you get Firemaker, which is two Girl Island logo stickers and two MJV production logo stickers, both designed by animation director, graphic novelist, Bishka Som. And then at $50, you get, um, um, sorry, let me see that. It is four items. You get, um, this is called Swimmer, an exclusive audio sample of Sandy's new manifesto introduction, a private link to the movie within six months of festival premiere, uh, and all the oh, previous wow. ones as well. And then at $75, you get a digital Sandy signed copy manifesto sample page by Bishka and all the previous rewards. And then at $100, you get to ask um, uh, the producers a question and get a recorded response and then all the other previous. And it keeps going up from there, but I think these are um, uh, most of the um, uh, the like relevant or like individual easily achieved awards. Yeah. Um, Definitely consider backing it. I think it is uh, 100% a labor of love. And for like a full length documentary film with like very prominent people, like $40,000 is actually like pretty. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And so I wish them all the success. It seems like, I don't, this seems something that they're already doing. Like, I, I think it's going to like come out no matter what. But this is just their way of like making it easier to finish um uh, production for it. So one hundred percent consider backing it um because um, I think it is relevant LGBTQ history and it's interesting as well because this person seems to have been very like if you're into Jimi Hendrix or like the nineteen seventies music scene, I still think that this is one hundred percent something you should be interested in. Yeah. It 
It is Girl Island, the Sandy Stone story on Kickstarter. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. And today we have the Texas Latino Comic Con 2023. It's going to happen Saturday, August 5th from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can follow for more information at TXLatinoComicCon.com or you can find them on Facebook. This event is going to take place at the Latino Cultural Center in Dallas, Texas. That's at 2600 Live Oak Street, Dallas, Texas. 75204 and it's free to the public guys definitely support latinx comic creatives and if you're in the dallas area definitely go to this event it sounds like it's going to be an amazing event and it's free and a, a child-friendly event so definitely check them out um they are back for 2023 and that again is saturday august 5th 2023 from 11 a.m to 6 p.m <clears throat> you could also follow them on Instagram at T Tom X Xavier Latino Comics. And that's it, guys. <laughs> I hope to see you there. I, I would love to see you there. But, yeah, I'll be there. Like, you might not be there, but I'll be there. Yeah, if you definitely go, definitely take pictures, post them on Instagram, tag us if you want to show us some amazing cosplay. This is such an amazing event, and uh, we hope to have been going there. But you every know, year um, I see them saying it's happening soon. I'm like, dang it. And we keep saying we want to go, but by the time I realize it's happening, it's too or it's it's too close. And yeah, they need to send us like a they need to send all the Latinos like, hey, yeah, we're doing this. Don't be late again. <laughs> Man, I live by CPT now. <laughs> <laughs> again, if you want more information, you go to the website txlatinocomiccon.com. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And who are we saludando today, Kristen? We are giving saludos to Julie Speziani, the uh, creator of Thanks, Romina. And if you remember from way back in the day, Cash and Carrie, um, that cute little story about the two little um, I think it was middle, middle uh, school private investigators. And I think the goats had spots on them or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's uh, uh, Carrie, Cash and Carrie are like detectives. Yes. And it's super cute. Yes. Yeah. It was really cute. I remember being enamored. So uh, Julie came to do a signing at Heidi Hill Comics on June 28th. And um, unfortunately, uh, her book, Thanks Romina, was due out that day, but it got pushed back a week. So it didn't end up coming out until the July 5th. Um, and she luckily had some comp copies with her. So I know it was stressful coming all the way from the East Coast and having a signing and not having all your books. But I just wanted to give saludos to Julie for coming and being a guest at Heidi Hill Comics. And I also had a chance to read Thanks, Romina. And it's a slice of life story about Romina, who has just graduated from college and is looking for her place in uh, the in the basically adult uh, world of people who have jobs. Um, she has her first job at a post-production <laughs> company in Los Angeles, and she's just trying to find her way um, while her strict Latino parents um, are telling her that she's wasting her time and she needs to go to grad school. So um, I really enjoyed the story, the first issue that I read. I definitely looking forward to reading more of the story um, and just wanted to um, give Julie saludos and a big thank you for coming to Heidi Ho and also just for writing this book. Uh, it is one of the releases from Chispa Comics, which is the Latinx imprint of Scout Comics. Also, a big saludos to Scout because Scout um, sees value in uplifting the voices of Latinx creators, and that to me uh, means uh, a lot. So, thank you, saludos to Scout. Out. Saludos to Julie. You can um, see more of Julie's work at uh, on Instagram at Julie Speziani. That's G I U L I E S P E Z I 
A-N-I. And you can also find her at gingerrabbitstudio.com. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us at Comodacy Comics. Um, .com <laughs> I just went for I just went for I'm like what's our what is our um, yeah. what's our website comics.com where you can find out all the information of our social media we are on Instagram we're on Facebook we're on Twitter you can find us on uh, TikTok and don't forget to check us out on YouTube where you can actually see what these beautiful voices look like and also uh, meet and learn about very creative uh, comic uh, writers and artists. All right, guys. Well, we have been your hosts. Thank you so much for listening. We are so happy that you stopped by and hung out with us today. Thank you so much. And if you want to want to write a review on iTunes, you're more than welcome to. There are some people that have instant messaged us about concerns they have on our podcast. And we really appreciate you listening. We're listening to you. We are so happy you take the time out of your day to join you in your day in your life um it, it's you guys that make this possible um so this is the end of the episode and we're thanking you for that so we are your hosts i'm sarah i'm Kristen, and i'm jen bye guys bye. and that's on period network <laughs>